Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, we have a man who loves a couple things in life, maybe more than anything else. Those things are golf and tequila. The man I'm referring to is Nick the Tequila Wanderer. Nick tells a story about how a random birthday drink choice led to a full-fledged brand through social media. Nick, also a former pro golfer and SMU graduate, tells us his stories in college playing with guys like Kelly Craft and Colt Nost and his grind through the mini-tours. And obviously, we can't have Nick on without talking about his drink of choice, tequila. And we let the aficionado speak. So why don't we get into it with Nate the Tequila Wander. Welcome to the 4Jack Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the 4Jack Podcast, brought to you by our friends over at Jackson Labs, the brand consultants that we trust to get our brand going in the right direction, and brand consultants you should use to do the same. Go visit them at jacksonlabs.com. This podcast is also brought to you by TaylorMade Golf, the new lineup of Sim 2 drivers, Ferrywoods, Rescues, Irons, the boys rocking the raw hats tonight, just... You know, we're just trying to do it upright for the boys at Teammate. So uh, go check them out if you need something in your bag to fill those gaps or just, I mean, gain some yards. I mean, I'm gaining a little bit, pretty short, but still, we're trying. We're trying to swing hard, get that twist face into action. Um, Fun one tonight, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I think this will be interesting nonetheless. But before we get to our guest, let's say hello to the boys. Parks, what's up? Yeah, Christmas came early today for the boys. We had a little visit by uh, Santa Claus, Mr. Lance Antonenko from TaylorMade. Dropped off the final, the missing piece, the missing link. Boys got their irons tonight. Got a little extra gift in the uh, in the grab bag tonight. A little raw action hat, so we got to support the support the raw wedges and, and throw that out tonight. This is definitely going to be an experience with a man that's been wandering, and we're going to find out why, but. Has been enduring a move, and we've uh, we're privy to his new backdrop down in Texas, and this looks like pretty showtime. So excited to get into the details, Tombo. What's up, gentlemen? Chilling. Epic. I love it. Um, one thing comes to mind, and one thing comes to mind only when I I think of our next guest. Right? Not all those who wander are lost. Oh, right. Oh God. Okay. It's about the journey, <laughs> not the destination, and this is going to be a journey. Filled with the highs and lows of golf and everything in between, I think, today. So I'm ready to kick it off. I'm ready to get emotional. I, I'm going to take that line and just say, like, if, if, if this was me in this role, I would <laughs> be wandering, I'd be stumbling, and I would be lost. Oh. <laughs> Unfortunately, this man has a better idea of what to do. The man with a smooth swing and an even smoother palate for tequila, the tequila wanderer. Nick, what's up, dude? Uh, what's up, James? How are you? Good, man. How about you? Where you? We know we. Uh, I was watching a couple of your vids, and I heard you're moving, and this is obviously the new locale. Uh, where are you now? You're in Dallas. I'm still in Dallas. I mean, I moved a whole two miles away from my old spot, so uh, <laughs> I don't think it. I honestly think moving two miles away is worse than moving two states over. Like you, you think it's easier, and you end up. Oh, you know. I'll just put that in the car and take it over versus packing it away for the movers. And the next thing you know, you're putting on like a hundred miles a day going back and forth. And, um, but here we are, you guys are, you know, the first, this is the first video of any type I've done in the new tequila room. So Ooh, wow. keep it on my own page. All right. Secret drops tonight for the kids. Oh, for, ev- for everyone <laughs> I that I guess that. that's listening should probably go watch it just so you can see this, uh, incredible wall that's sitting behind the man. Um, 
Gosh, I don't even know where to start with all that tequila back there. I think if I was to start, like I said, I'd probably be on the floor pretty quick. But <laughs> How many brands of tequila do you got back there? Uh, I mean, I don't know how many brands, but the bottles are ballpark around the 350 mark. Wow. And, uh, it's a nice little tour. Yeah, we, um, you know, there's little bit of everything. I, uh, I like to think I got something for everyone's palate. So when I have friends or visitors come over, I kind of love the challenge of someone saying, oh, I don't drink tequila anymore off the spring break or something like that. And I go, all right, that's in my head. That's where I go. I'm going to turn you into a tequila drinker. Uh, now, sorry, I got to jump in that for a man that tequila may not be the first choice from the from the location you're originally from. I mean, as a, as a South African, I think brandy comes to mind a little bit more than tequila. So yeah. mean, how do you make that transition? I mean, no more brandy and Cokes. No more brandy and Coke. You oh. know, I, um, so I will put it this way, right? I grew up in South Africa, um, but going back a few generations, family's Croatian and all my friends growing up, majority of them in South Africa were all Portuguese, Greek, European descent. So never really got hard into the brandy, but I got my education in drinking from my friends, older brothers in the form of Zivania, Uzo, you name it, Rakia, all the stuff that you can drink or you can clean your drains with, or if your car runs out of fuel, you can put a little bit in, get it to the gas station. So tequila is a wonderful you know, subtle change of pace from that. That's okay. I, I did the fair share of brandy and Cokes for you in my short amount of time there so together we've got it covered we're good yeah i think, I got you, I think it sounds like a bad experience you get a little bad taste in the mouth after that. not one bit castle no? castle lights and brandy brandy and cokes all night long baby i like it nick maybe give us a little education on tequila like take us through the gauntlet how would you uh, convert a non-believer into a believer give us the gospel man that's a that's a that's a tough one but let me tell i'll, I'll give you this right I will, and I don't know if this would, we would end up getting to this anyway. I'll tell you how I, how I transitioned into liking tequila at all. Let's do it. Uh, and and that kind of covers the tequila one-on-one stuff anyway. So, you know, Chris, like you've experienced in South Africa, right? There's a South Africa, Australia, big drinking culture, very social. Um, and so I drank a little bit of everything. And then I came to, to play golf at college here in the U.S., came to Texas, and the you know college lifestyle is just whatever's free or whatever's cheap and you know drink a little bit of everything and, and a normal night out on a on a weekend would be you know beers at dinner and shots before you went to the next spot and then you know vodka sodas and then a little bit of champagne and then drink some out the bottle and finish off with beers again back at the after party Kingston. and you wake up the next morning and you just hate your life right <laughs> and uh so i would say about seven or eight years ago um i had a good friend south african friend that i grew up with in south africa and uh i was here in dallas and it was my birthday weekend which is in two days time yeah, buddy. happy early birthday uh, it's, it's almost seven years to the day um and she was coming in town and i said hey it's my birthday we got to go out i'm so pumped you're here for a couple of days this will be fun and so she had bounced around all over the globe since we finished high school in South Africa and spent time in Europe and ended up working on some like huge yachts and ended up being in the yacht industry. You end up in Fort Lauderdale. So 
brought her to the United States. And the last yacht that she was working on before she came over here to Dallas to hang out for a bit was Jimmy Buffett's. Oh, and so Margaritaville. We're on our way to the pool party, which is like noon on a Sunday. I've got this big day planned out, right? We're going to party all day at the pool. We're going to bar hop after that. We're going to get dinner. We're going to go to the club. Like a full 12-hour birthday sesh. And, um, you know, she said, well, I'm going to get you a bottle of tequila for the pool. And I'm thinking, whoa, you know, so pump the brakes. We got a long day ahead of us. If we start killing tequila at the pool, we'll be no, 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 six. I'm going to teach you how to drink it. <laughs> anyway, so sip the tequila at the pool. It wasn't a phenomenal tequila, but it was good. And um, I was a big believer, and you would know this, drinking brandies and Coke. Like, if you start with brandy for the night, stick with brandy. Don't jump to vodka or something else. Limit the hangover. Stick to one type of liquor. And so we started the pool. The tequila was decent. And I figured, well, let's just stick with it. So every bar we went to after that, when I ordered a drink, it was with tequila in it. All the way through dinner, all the way to the nightclub that my buddy owned. He had comped me a bottle like for my birthday. What do you guys want? And I said, well, I guess tequila. And so I don't know, maybe 30 drinks over a 12-hour period, you know, just in the zone, birthday highs. Woke up the next morning and I felt pretty good. And I mean, I, I could feel I was a little tired and I'd been out, but I legitimately went for a, and went and worked out that morning. And that was it. That was seven years ago. I've maybe had 10 cocktails that aren't tequila or agave based since. I've just never found something that made your body feel like that. And there's a reason behind it. Right. So that's what kind of got me interested. And then there's a long story to why I ended up with 300 bottles behind me and an Instagram page about it. But, <laughs> um, you know. The, the science behind it is, is literally the sugars in, a, in, in tequila don't get absorbed into your bloodstream like artificial sugars and other liquors. And so a lot of that hangover is actually just the sugar high and the sugar drop from one, what's in your spirit. And two, you know, most people are like, I don't know why I feel so bad. Well, you had like nine whiskey and Coke. You know how much Coke that is? You, you know how much Coca-Cola you drank over, over that period of time? No wonder you feel terrible the next morning. Um, so that's what got me interested in tequila and kind of started down that rabbit hole. And, um, you know, now here we are talking to you gents with those cool hats on, um, on a, on a Wednesday evening. I got to ask something here real quick, maybe give us a little backstory since we're on the tequila subject, uh, friend of the show, sponsor of the show, head show tequila sodas and Zach Lister shout out to them. Um, that's kind of how you got introduced to us is through him and maybe take us through how you met him. Maybe your experience with the Hecho brand even. Yeah. Look, I, uh, you guys really going to make me do your sponsor plug for you. <laughs> it's <laughs> only better when someone sure else says I was going to, okay, hang on. I was going to, I was going to tee it up with the drop outside your door. I saw on Instagram, you're posting, you got a couple of flats of Hecho for a birthday boy here. So I was going to yeah, drop yeah, it like that, so. but that's even better. So. No, I'm giving you guys a hard time. So, like, first of all, shout out to Zach, everyone at Echo, you guys. Um, you know, it's a funny story, right? So, obviously, fast track a few years, right? I've got this Instagram page. After, you know, I've already been into tequila for a couple of years. And I don't know, five, five or so years ago, it's just, fuck, what everyone was doing. Starting an Instagram page for just about everything. And so I was traveling a lot around the country for work and for other things. And I would always seek out the best tequila bar, the best Mexican restaurant, you know, Google, Minneapolis or Google, Vancouver, wherever I am. Yeah. What am I going to find? I figured I was 
on a plane one day with no Wi-Fi. This is how you know it's five years ago. Like that never happens anymore. <laughs> and um, my iPhone wasn't, I couldn't take any more photos because I got no more memory. So I'm going through my camera roll to delete photos, right? We've all been there. And I'm, man, I got a lot of photos of tequila, tequila cocktails, tequila bars. I'm like, I'm going to start an Instagram page for it. So like pick nine. To, so at least I've got a full page of pictures to start, right? And uh, I started a page. It was actually called the Tequila Whisperer, which is slightly more feminine. And we'll get to a point how to transition. But um, <laughs> Very sensual. Ooh. Yeah. And, you, know, it, you know, what happened is it's like all of a sudden this page started growing. And I'm like, all right, cool. This is pretty sweet. And so I keep traveling. I keep posting tequila. And it wasn't very long that you got like 3,000 people following it. And all of a sudden, I'm getting these DMs from these tequila companies. Hey, where can we send you some of our tequila? We'd love to be on your page. I'm thinking, what, free tequila? Sweet. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, I love this, baby. And like, by the way, guys, these are some really bad brands to start off with, right? And I'm like, I don't care. That's, that's money. Yeah. Send it on over. And um you know, in hindsight, looking back, there just wasn't a page that was like not associated to one specific brand that did tequila at the time on Instagram. And so I found a little niche without actually knowing it. And I would say within eight months, the page had 10,000 followers, um, which was pretty cool. And, you know, then I was having chats with some of the, the, the best master distillers in the industry and whatnot. And so... Anyway, we've got this Instagram page. Uh, you know, we're, 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 we got tequila. We're into it. Um, and, and the page just kind of grew and grew and grew. And all of a sudden, oh, I forgot. About around 10,000 followers, I got a cease and desist email from a lawyer saying that there was a dude up in Washington that had trademarked the Tequila Whisperer. And it was actually his livelihood. And he did tastings with corporate companies and stuff. And so I, I'd never been cease and desisted before and i'm that, like i think that's a shit. sign of success yeah 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 i mean well i wouldn't say a sign of success it was a sign of like i shat myself i'm like oh damn <laughs> i thought i was getting sued and um so i immediately like tap one of my good buddies who who's a law had a law degree and i'm like dude I, what is going on you're like what do i do do i lawyer up and and he's like no it's just a cease and desist like you just have to stop using the name and you're good i said wait the freaking instagram page like i just changed the name and that's it and he goes, yeah. I'm like, well, that's easy. And so that's where I was struck. What rolls off the tongue? Whisperer, blah, blah. I couldn't find Wanderer. I'm like, well, it's travel and tequila. Tequila Wanderer it is. Sent the guy a message saying, hey, you could have just sent me a DM. I would have changed it, you know, um, <laughs> instead of paying a lawyer to draft a cease and desist. But, um, but here we are five years later and, you know. Hell yeah. I feel like the two go hand in hand nicely because it's like you get the tequila running through your veins and then you start wandering, seeing where the world takes you, right? Just see where the night takes you, see where the world takes you. And it's kind of the way I've lived my life. I mean, really, lived in Africa, Australia, the United States. I'll tell you guys a story that most people find Just some, really shocking. A couple bucket I, heads I, there. I, I committed to my college here in Dallas having never been to the U.S. before. Wow. I, I literally researched colleges. I don't know if you guys got it in Canada, but back in the day, King would put out a book every year with, with like all the college programs, coaches, their, their email addresses, and like a little bit about the school. And so after immigrating to um, Australia and I over there, kind of similar to Canada, right? I don't think there's a huge collegiate athletics programs. As a golfer, you've really got two options. You turn pro 
and like try to play for a living where there isn't a lot of money and probably work in a pro shop or a driving range. Um, or you go play college golf and you continue your education and, and you're still very competitive, right? And continue to grow your game. And so I, I wanted that fallback because I just knew the statistics of, of the likelihood of getting on the PJ tour. Like I wanted, um, and so I wrote to a handful of colleges and I actually had, I had three offers from schools and this is without ever been to the United States, just writing to colleges. And, um, we had a family friend who swam for South Africa in the Olympics who swam at SMU in Dallas. And right about the time I was about to like pick one out of the hat, like I had Kel Berkeley Pepperdine and university of Arizona. And I'll try to work out which one I want to go to. Um, he randomly was chatting to my dad and goes, Hey, has he looked at SMU and I'm literally pulling out a map like, uh, Oh, Texas, Google average weather in Texas. Oh, that's pretty cool. Population of Dallas. Oh, that's not bad. Um, fast track a few months, ended up looking like the best offer. They send my documents to sign via DHL. I sign them. I put them back in the mail in Sydney, Australia. 10 days later, I get an email. You've been accepted. School starts on this date. Kiss mom and dad goodbye. Hopped on a plane. I mean, you know, we didn't have the money to the whole family fly over and help me move in. It was like tickets yeah. are two and a half grand to fly from Sydney to, to the U.S., so I got on a plane. I landed in Dallas, and that was, uh, well, you know, 2006. Let's get into that then a bit. I mean, because that you're looking at South Africa to Australia, which can be very fairly similar in a way, some giant differences. But then you go to Dallas, like not just Dallas. We're going to Texas. Culture shock, and it's man. Like, Texas. Going, and then you're going to SMU, we're, we're like going massive to, school. You know, I don't know how much in Canada you guys know about SMU and I love my own lot. Like I would send my boys there if I get it, if I was in the position to do so, but like SMU isn't like real world either. I mean, like I grew up pretty humbly. You spent a lot of time in South Africa, you know, in the best neighborhoods in any city in South Africa, you're never more than a 10 minute drive away from people that don't have electricity. Right. And so like that's kind of my first 18 years of my life. Sydney was, you know, we, we live pretty humbly. It's super expensive. Like, you know, make San Francisco look cheap. Um, and then I, I roll up to Dallas and I, so I'll tell you, like, I remember like it's yesterday. It's crazy. It was 2006. Like I look out the window. I've like researched now, right? Four million people. I've seen pictures of the skyline. I've watched episodes of the freaking show Dallas. <laughs> like I'm ready. Right? And, um, <laughs> Like the plane's descending into DFW. And if any of you have ever flown into DFW, like it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. And so I'm like looking out the window going, I've committed four years of my life to this city and I can't see a building. And I'm like, oh shit, what have I done? And, um, and then, you know, I land and three hours of customs and immigration, all that stuff and get picked up by the assistant coach. And then next thing we're like pulling onto SMU campus in August. And then that was a completely different type of, what the fuck have I got myself into? Because I think every freshman at SMU got a BMW or a Range Rover for their graduation. It was like, I mean, it was it was a different. It, it was I'm not hating on it. It was just different from what I had experienced in those 20 years of my life up to that point. And um, you know, but phenomenal school, sneaky great golf program. I'd love people to work out that. if there's any better. Like 
how many US Am champs have come out of SMU for a team that yeah, like hasn't won a national championship? Like they haven't won a national championship as a team forever. But they've got what? We've got Hank Keeney, Bryson, Cold Nose, yeah, Kelly Kraft. So Cold and Kelly were both around there when I was there on my team, and then Bryson, and then um, Homeboy last year came runner up, right? I mean that's a pretty pretty crazy stat for a school with ten thousand people. Yeah, and it was, I think for a while it was kind of looked upon like, what is the school? Like, why would anyone want to go there? And then it's like, you know, they could just continue to pump out these players. But, like, talk to us about the team experience there. I mean, were you there when Bryson was there? So I uh, I left before Bryson got there. I thought, yeah, it might be just a touch over. Yeah, so Colt, Colt Nost and I were, Colt was my captain my freshman and sophomore year. Um, And then Kelly Kraft and I were, uh, roommates his freshman year so I left just before Bryson but that said you know you're in Dallas over here you see the guys at a lot of the golf courses I would still practice at because after school now I'm trying to play right mini tours Q school all that stuff the, the luxurious life of mini tours and uh, <laughs> you know so I would see some of the I'd see the SMU teams over at the course and I've still got a bunch of buddies who are there a little younger than I and I'd go over so I did meet Bryson when he was at SMU for the first time, and he would introduce to me as, dude, Sogs, you got to hit this guy's clubs. They're, they're fucking nuts. They're all seven iron length. They're all upright. <laughs> and I'm thinking, come on. I get on there. He's got like this Mandingo grip on every fucking club. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm up, like, I can't get his four iron like off the ground. And I, like, I can sound super arrogant, but like, I got club at speed. Like, I can hit anything. I can't hit it straight, but I can hit anything. Yeah. And I can't get his forearm off the ground. It's just so weird to me. Um, he really has what looks like a baseball handle on the end yeah. of that thing. Like, it's a, I it's mean, a bat. Dude, I use, I use mid-sized grips with four wraps underneath, and his grips were, like, uncomfortably thick. Like, Man, they're... Bingo. Yeah. You're, you're using mid-sized grips with four wraps? Those are big well, mitts, like man. Well, four, it's, like, four on the bottom to parallel them. Yeah, yeah, to, okay. Yeah. But, yeah. Crazy. Wow, that's insane. What what was it like um, having Colt as your captain? Because I mean, that's a guy that was on a Walker Cup team, a winning Walker Cup team. He's a beauty. And then yeah, you know, spent some time on the tour, and then now becoming, hopefully, the voice of golf. Hopefully, taking Sir Nick's spot in due time. But talk to us about your time with Colt. <laughs> you know, I will say this: so Colt and I are good buddies. We 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 don't chat as much as we used to, just because he's not in Dallas anymore. Um, but I think if he was on this thing, he wouldn't mind me being honest about it. We fucking hated each other in college. Like, we did not really? get along. Okay. Hate's a strong word, but we just had completely different, like, priorities in college. And, like, Colt was golden boy, couldn't do anything wrong. Like, you know, he basically was the reason our coach kept his job. Um, and so, like, Colt just did whatever he wanted. Like, he didn't work out with the team he didn't want to and coach was like well i'm not gonna make colt sore he's our superstar yeah like everyone else go run three miles but you know colt you know we gotta we gotta milk make sure that you're feeling 100 percent. go ice and, those uh, calves man <laughs> just chill you know i'll never forget like uh and, and a guy who caddied on tour for a long time as well like uh brandon de stefano and um like d staff and colt i played my first round of, of qualifier smu golf first official round with Colt and Brandon, and they were one and two in the team. And I had heard everything about Colt Nose, Colt Nose, right? Like he's a superstar when I came in there. 
And we get on the first hole at DAC Blue. I mean, again, I, I guess I've got a pretty decent memory. I remember like it's yesterday, right? A little dogleg ride, tenth, uh, first hole at DAC Blue, Jack Nicholas design. And um, like I bomb a drive over the corner and Colt hits it. Like I gave him like 85 yards of the first. Wow. And it's poor five. I'm thinking like, this is the guy that's a superstar? I'm like, all right, whatever. And like I hit it to 30 feet in the middle of the green for Eagle and Colt lays up. And Colt hits his sandwich to like six feet. And I two putt for birdie and Colt rolls it like it never looked like missing from the middle of the putter in the middle. And I'm like, all right, like, dude, I'm going to be the best player on this team like in a Easy. week. <laughs> and the next ball, Colt, Colt like taps it down the fairway, hits it to 12 feet, middle of the cup. I don't know if I made par or bogey. I can't remember that part. Next hole, fairway, green, rolls in a 20-footer, three under through three. I'm like, even. Let, put it short. Like, off the six holes, he's like four under. I'm three over. And I'm like, all right. This no, guy's good. The, there's the reality check. Like, this dude does not miss. Yeah. Uh, kept it in play and was one of the best putters I've ever seen. And, um, you know, you don't win in the USM by luck. That's, uh, that's a long week. A lot of, lot of, you know, solid, phenomenal golfers. And so, um, you know, I, I might, for the sake of the podcast, right, I might be over-exaggerating it a bit. Like, we got along okay, but we definitely became a lot better friends um, when, one, he wasn't whipping my ass on the golf course, and, two, I wasn't lapping his ass around a racetrack. There you go. One quick question about that really quickly. Take away, obviously, your pass with him and just – look at it from a viewer perspective now that he's spending some time on the PGA tour doing some broadcasting. I mean, God, that's gotta be, I'm not sure how much golf you watch, but like, it's gotta be quite refreshing. I know it is for us, but for really anyone to kind of see somebody that's kind of bringing more of a real aspect to the game, to the viewer. And it's like, it, it, it's, it's gotta be guys like that that are going to take this game forward. Like you want to listen to a guy like that, that makes it sound like a podcast almost when you're watching. You know, it's funny, right? I don't watch a lot of golf at all. It's it's legitimately about like the four majors. Yeah. And then I've got a handful of like close friends that still play on tour. And so I'll keep track on my phone of how tournaments are going. And normally you get good updates from social media and stuff. And if I've got a buddy who's in contention, you know, I might watch a final round. And that's just nothing to say, you know, nothing, no knock on golf. I just, I'm busy and I've never really loved watching golf. Even if we got to a tournament, I walk like six holes and personally I'm thinking, man, I'd love to go play now. Like yeah, if like I'm out the woods with sun, I want to play. And um, but all of that said, like Colt, Colt's phenomenal. So good at what he does. It's it's actually unbelievably impressive because he 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 most people don't transition into that stuff well, right? Like mm-hmm. he 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 became so good at what he does so quickly. Um, and it's great. Like that insight from like it's not just the insight of him played on tour because we have certain people and you mentioned his name earlier on it's got a great name but you know they played a lot but they're not necessarily the people you love talk like listening to doing the broadcast and so colt obviously has the tour experience he has the wins he has the that under his belt but he also just has the understanding like he's played with guys that do everything right like he, he plays golf on a regular basis with you name it in the industry in the in the golf world so, you know, he's played tons of golf with Sadlowski and seen the guy hit it. So he's not losing his jollies over Bryson, like hitting a 350, whoop-de-doo, right? He's just giving genuine, 
authentic, like great insight. And he's talking about things the way a golfer would think about it. And I think a lot of the time these, these broadcasters are going, oh, he must be worried about, you know, the water over there. And it's someone who played a little bit. It actually turns you off the game because you're thinking, dude, no one's thinking about that from 70 yards. Yeah. Um, it's like these so, are professionals. <laughs> Colt's great at what he does. I love it when he corrects people live, you know, just kind of subtly. Yeah, I think he's probably thinking this instead. And, um, you know, couldn't couldn't wish better things on him. I hope he continues to do what he's doing. And like you said, hopefully he is the voice of golf soon. It's so refreshing to have him on the coverage. You know, it was it took a little time. Obviously, he needed to get his legs under him. But, man, he's, he's absolutely what we need. As far as changing of the guard, you know, McCord's gone now. Costas is gone now. Needed somebody to fill that gap. Obviously, no like disrespect to Trevor and his brother, but there's a little bit of that uh, missing component now that Colt's kind of filling. So love that. Absolutely. I can deal with Trevor and Mark as long as they get rid of Sir Nick. It's time. Yeah. <laughs> Faldo's yeah. got to go, man. I like how Nick kind of took the approach of uh, that guy we you guys may have mentioned a few minutes ago, but we're just we throw nah, him under the bus. I'll That's totally throw him roll. under the bus. I think it was ruined when Phil got on. He's like, yeah, I, I do two things well or three things well. I play golf was, well. I talk golf well. And <laughs> Nick's like, what's the other thing? That was thing? one of the best. And then Nance, Nance had to talk him out of that. I was like, are you kidding me right now, man? You're not that oblivious, are you? Phil that put him six funny. feet deep, man. That was a tough one. It was gold. It was um, gold. I kind of want to like rewind the clock a little bit. Like we've heard about college, but like what actually got you into golf? Like how did that happen in life? So uh, it, it was my dad, but not in the sense that you, you hear about like the Justin Thomases of this world or anything like that. Right. It was uh, my dad was had a corporate career in finance and like so pretty much you work for one of the big four accounting consulting firms like you've got a golf day like every week. And so I think the first time I played, actually, I don't think, I remember specifically where it was, what happened and what I shot. The first round I played of golf was nine holes at Clove Valley Country Club, which was uh, old Bobby Locke's stomping ground and uh, right near where our house is in Fishhook. And, you know, people talk about, oh, it's windy in Texas. Well, the trees grow sideways through the valley in Fishhook. And, it's insane. Um, I shot, I was nine years old. I shot 90 for nine holes and I burst into tears when I hit like the fourth ball of my dad's into the water because I was just heartbroken. I was losing all of his golf balls. <laughs> and uh, I got a photo somewhere. And if I repost like a link to this podcast, I'll find the photo. I also hit a ball that landed like in a tree between two twigs, eight feet off the ground and just stayed there. Like I've played golf for 20, 25 years. I've never seen that happen. Yeah. But my first round of golf, like between two twigs that could barely hold the weight of a golf ball, that ball stayed up in the air somehow. So that was my first round of golf. Um, Dad got me into it, clearly crying tears, 90 for nine holes, blowing 40 miles an hour. I pretty much played that ra that nine holes at nine and then never touched the golf club again until I was 14. Really? There's a lot of growing that happens between when you're nine and 14. Yeah. And so I had a lot of, I had these friends at school that we did everything together, right? We played rugby together. We played water polo. We played cricket. We played soccer and we're super competitive group of friends. So like if, if Kerr's like doing extremely well, you know, doing this, like, well, I got to beat his time. Well, I got to beat his score. I got to do this. And so that group of friends kind of got into golf around when we were 14. And so naturally, fuck it. I'm going to beat him at that. Right. So like go dig the clubs out of the garage and, and uh, 
the thing I remember about like liking right off the bat compared to when I was nine, is like I could beat the shit out of it when I was 14. Right, I'm like, this is fun. Like, now we're bashing it. Yeah. Like this is really fun. And so I just wanted to hit it hard, which is probably why my college career wasn't as good as it should have been. But, um, you know, screw it. Like, you know, hit it and find it. Um, and so that was it. 14, I, I kind of picked the clubs up again. And by the time I was 15, I was playing off scratch. So wow. that's um, insane. That's quick. That's, a, that's know, passion right there. So, you know, the thing is like, Props to uh, props to dad and, and my parents, right? Because not everyone's parents are willing to do what what he did. But you know, he he was a he would have been minus some of the international ban on on athletics, right? He would have been an Olympic swimmer. He ran ultra marathons in South Africa. They got a comrades marathon that's fifty two miles. Like he he was a phenomenal runner. I mean, he ran fifteen or sixteen of them. Wow. His his best time was six hours eighteen minutes for fifty two miles. Wow. And it's not full. So, um, that's, that's but what, the point I'm trying to make is like, he never pushed me into the sports that he was good at. Right. Like I could have had some of the best running coaching I could have ever wanted. Never forced me into it. Like I ran a good amount, but just when I wanted to right? and he gave me input when I w- asked for it. Likewise, like my first couple swim lessons were probably a bit more technical than the average person. Um, but he never forced me into swimming or into track or into anything like that. And whatever I fell in love with, like he supported. And so, um, you know, immediately at like 15 years old, he was finding ways to get me into like junior tournaments and that type of thing. And, um, you know, all the way through, I mean, all the way, even up into college, right. That swimming friend I spoke about, I didn't want to give a whole backstory, but like he swam with my dad. That's the only reason they spoke every few months. Like they both swam on the South African squad. And so, you know, all that type of thing. He supported it from when I was nine and hated it. He didn't try and make me play again, even though he played all the time. Um, not very well, by the way. So <laughs> I, I think there's a few things to tie on with that. Like, for one, it's probably good to be getting those technical swimming lessons in South Africa. Water's freaking cold and there's sharks out there. So if you're going to be good at something, be good at that out there. Strong currents as well. But to talk about the golf game, like, obviously going you know you started your career or you know even your junior playing in south africa and then playing in texas in college but like is there a more apt place for you to grow up playing golf than south africa than going to texas like is that that not the heaviest wind you've ever played in like playing anywhere on the coast down by cape town it is right and i didn't play a ton of golf in cape town i would say cape town is the best test of like conditions but really, the average golf course there, the standard of the course just doesn't doesn't kind of tune PGA Tour professionals as much so as I would say, link style coastal golf in Australia. Mm, and so, yes. like I, I learned the game in South Africa, and uh, I really like the two years that I was in Australia was when I really went from, you know my game really improved and i you know this is the analogy i always give people right it blows in texas and i hit it a long way and i always tell people like yeah it blows in texas but when was the last time you hit driver into a part three (laughs) and they go well what do you mean i'm like well i hit it a mile and i would hit a driver into a part three in sydney once a month and they're like well i don't know and i'm like dude it's humid there's moisture in the air you're at sea level and the wind blows 30 it's like hitting it through oil and like you saw a little bit about that at the PGA the other day, right? Yeah. So 
I, I was having some drinks with Answer with, with, with Abe the other night, and we were talking about it. And dude, that ball was going nowhere the first couple rounds of the DGA. Um, and it's the same type of thing, that moisture at the coast. I think that is interesting because as you talk about South Africa, I remember I was sitting with C. Pays being like, wow, like look at all these South African guys at the top of the leaderboard in the third round of the PGA Championship. I'm like, honestly. I got excited. It was after the second round, and there was like, yes. if you had the short, if you had like the first Google search option that only yeah. gives you the first part, there was like one non South African. Yeah. I had like a little bit of a golf boner. I was pretty excited about Some that. Some sneaky finishes by <laughs> yeah. those guys too. Where did you get the chance to play in Sydney? Because I'll be honest, my old stomping grounds, not probably what you were playing. I loved Moore Park. Favorite. Oh, dude, good. So you know that they wanted to tear that up and like make it public housing and shit this year, right? Yeah, I've heard I've heard the, the whole spiel with uh, it. There was the big debate. They put up a petition for it and they got like half a million signatures from all over the world. Yeah. Like people are like, oh, no. It, it's the busiest but, public golf course in the entire country. Is that petition and it's such a good still live? Like, <laughs> uh, we played so many tournaments it. out there. Moore, Moore Park was great. Um, and, and, you know, you've got those courses, public courses just down the street at St. Michael's and the coast. Yep. And, like, so they're essentially on the same piece of land as New South Wales that hosts, hosts the U.S. Open, uh, Australian Open and the New South Wales Open. But they're public golf courses that everyone can play. And they've got, mm -hmm. like, three or four holes on them that are almost as scenic as anything you could play at Pebble or Cowrie Cliffs or you name it, right? Um Pretty cool. Like there's my, my go-to in Sydney, I ended up, and again, by way of, of dad, just going out of his way to find like anything he could do to help his, his, his kids. Right. And just, um, you know, he, he found a, he had a contact once he moved over there and I ended up getting like a junior sponsorship to Manly golf club, which nice. was, um, you know, private golf club. They thought they were way better than they were not hating on Manly, but, you know, having played courses in South Africa and the U.S., like, the golf course was great, but the members kind of treated you like they were at L.A. Country Club, and it's like, guys, you know, they had strict address code in Augusta, and you get the point. But really, really tough golf course. I think Jack Nicklaus won the New South Wales Open there in the 60s and, um, and like, shot one under for four rounds. Wow. So... And and not long, short golf course, but all the greens are the size of a dinner table, and you got bunkers. And I tell people, and the greens do this, and so you got small greens. Like there were par fives where you would lay up into the five yard short because a pitch shot up the long green was way better. If you went for the green too and missed it right or left, you could be playing Saddam Hussein from bunker to bunker all day. <laughs> like, the greens tiny, right? Um, so That's Mandy cool. was where I played a lot of my golf. Long reef was where I got my first amateur win ever in the Long Reef Medal. My name's still on a wall there somewhere. Talk about wind. Maybe 40 miles an hour. Like, where you had to aim a foot outside the line of your putts to account for a crosswind. Wow. Crazy. Do you ever go play that uh, track down by the airport? I think it is Bonnie Dune, that little, like, nine-hole length style track. That was the most... I, I got completely beat up. Like, I didn't stand a fucking chance, dude. It was... Like you said, that 40K wind, as soon as yep. the ball's up, you're like, oh, it's gone. Like, you literally have to top the ball to just keep it in play. <laughs> I've never so, struggled like that in my life. Play those hickories. <laughs> you die. So my first my first round of golf in Australia ever was at Bonnie Doon. And, um, <laughs> I would have quit the game. We landed down there. and I'd been, I'd been in the country for a week. And it, here's a good story. Right? There's these dudes in front of us. And the first tee shot, like a blind par yeah. four, like very hilly. 
And I pipe drive her and we get down there and like I've hit it into the guys in front of us and like hit their golf bag and everything. And we get down there and I, I oh shit. So I run up to the next tee just to say sorry. And um, you know, the guest who's the host who's taking us out there is kind of walks with me to make sure, you know, they understand it was a mistake. And I say thank you, sorry, and I shake the guy's hand, and I walk away, and the guest, the host is taking me out. I've been in the country for like seven days. He goes, You know who that was? I'm like, No. I know you, my parents, and like two other people on this whole fucking continent, on this island. And he goes, that's Bob Hawke. He used to be the prime minister of, of Australia. Wow. And he was like famous, like man's man prime minister, like shotgun and beers on camera. And like, uh, you know, the type of stuff that he would be out of office for sexual harassment in like five minutes in 2021. But that was Bob Hawke. And so, yeah, I'd been in the country for seven days. And my first tee shot in Australia um, hit the former prime minister's golf bag on the first <laughs> out, at the lo- out at the public niner Love by it. the airport. <laughs> That's there awesome. That's a good story. Maybe let's transition a little bit. We have a couple of friends of the show. Dale Trail, obviously, Caddies for Abe. We got Zach Lister, Hecho Guy. How did those guys come into your uh, tequila wandering ecosystem? So Tom asked me, and we went on a long-winded... You I did. went wandering the okay. story of it. So... You know, I'll backtrack. I remember exactly where I was. I gave you the background of how I ended up having an Instagram page that actually has like a few followers and, you know, um, in the tequila space. So I met Zach through that. And um, I'll tell him this because I told him this story before. Right. So I I get a message from him. Hey, we'd love you to try our product and, you know, potentially like be on your page or whatnot. And my first thought is, guys, I'm like, like I post like I have a bit of a reputation to post really good tequilas. Like I don't do this for, I have a job. This is not my living. Yeah. And because it's a passion project, like I don't have to post shit. I don't want to, right. It's not, I don't have to, to make a paycheck. So, and my, my first thought was, guys, I'm not putting a fucking canned cocktail on a, on my page. Like it's just not going to happen. But so next thing, one day I get there and there's like eight of them on my doorstep. Right. And didn't know at the time, but like Zach was in Dallas. He literally brought them the CEO of the company drove them over like they're small they're old they're, they're, they're growing yeah like he drove over to my house and put them on the doorstep so i pick them up and i put them in the garage fridge and i don't look at them for a month and <laughs> i'm getting messages from zach and from hey man what did you think and i'm like oh you know i'm really busy with work and i've got kids and uh, you know i'm in sales i can i can swing it i can tell you to fuck off with a smile on my face in a nice way where you don't felt feel offended yeah and uh you know i I kind of, for lack of a better term, blew Zach off for like a month and a half. And I was on my way to golf one day and uh, playing golf with some buddies. And I'm like, man, you know, let's just, let me just taste this shit so I can tell this guy what I thought and he can fuck off. Yeah, give him the realness. Uh, and I got to the golf course and I cracked it open and like blew my mind. One sip. And I'm going, that that tastes like if I, because I love tequila and soda. If, if I'm not sipping it neat, I'm drinking like a quality Blanco tequila and soda, nothing else, no additives back to the whole hangover story from 20 minutes ago. And um, like this tastes like if I make one at home, pretty much like that's pretty nuts. So I gave it to my buddies that I played with that also like tequila and they're like blown away. Like, what is this stuff? I'm like, I don't really know. Like some dude gave it to me a month ago. I haven't really found anything about it. So I reached back out to them. I'm like, Hey man, you know, I actually think I wouldn't mind putting it on the page. Like I really love your product. Long story short, get to know the guy better. What a great guy. Yep. Great company. To this day, it's the only canned tequila of any sort that I've had on my page. 
and I stand by it. Like I legitimately, you know, I would love to take like really some quality Blanco tequila and Topo Chico, but it doesn't always make sense to carry a bottle and mixers with you wherever you go. Like pool parties, you don't want the glass, right? Golf course, unless you got a tour bag and you're always driving on a cart, you can't put like a 12 pack of Topo Chico and a full bottle of tequila in the side of your bag. Mm-hmm. Um, Echo is just like grab four of them, throw them in the side of the bag, money. So um, I love it. So pretty cool that he sponsors your podcast. Uh, you know, I keep saying, I don't think there's any better for golf, right? You know, the thing I spoke about, like the health and the and the hangover aspect. The other thing about tequila, it's the only spirit that isn't a depressant. So like we've all had those rounds where you're just pounding beers and like you want to fall asleep by the end of it. It makes you lethargic and just like, mopey and you know takes you to a dark place sometimes <laughs> yeah the echo is five and a half abv so it's the same as a beer but you're not going to have that hangover you're not going to be lethargic um i don't think there's anything better than golf and tequila which is why you've probably seen on my page over the last few months like the page kind of went from like an ex-golfer who's now tequila to like i'm embracing it like i'm golf and tequila that's that's the, the way i'm going and um, so, you know, there it is. It so does a great job. Yeah. It's the ultimate on course RTD beverage. Absolutely. Chris actually coined the phrase. It tastes like summer because he cracked a can. He's like, wow, this is amazing. And honestly, it fuels our Friday night rounds. It typically fuels our Sunday night podcast. So thanks for the pitch. Absolutely love that. We, uh, were fortunate enough to introduce Zach to sort of a unique component of a women's golf initiative. That's sort of, I don't know, removing the stigma and, incorporating and encouraging women to get out and play golf in that sort of corporate safe setting where they can all kind of, I don't know what you want to say, maybe a little bit of networking, a little bit of fun, some serious golf lessons, stuff like that. So there's golf and tacos is the initiative in Canada. This, this girl, Caitlin Buckle started. So we've incorporated golf tacos and now Echo tequila with that. So golf tacos and tequila. I mean, that's just the trifecta. I love it. So I don't know Caitlin at all. I first time I'm hearing about this, but it sounds like a great initiative and it really is. I mean, you know, people always ask me about the Instagram page, right? And I say, it, you know, it's I love tequila, but uh I'm not passionate about like what is in my glass right now. Like I enjoy it. I like talking to people about it, but the analogy I use all the time is I would rather drink an average tequila with great people than drink the best tequila in the world sitting in a corner by myself, right? So as much as I appreciate the culture behind tequila, um, the spirit, the process that goes into making traditional additive-free quality tequila, I get more pleasure out of sharing what I know about this and what I think about something with people. Like I like seeing their reaction. That's why there's almost no bottles behind me out of those 350 that aren't open. There's no like off limits bottles. If, if people come to my house to visit or friends, um, you know, anything's on the table. If they want to try something, I want to pour it. I'll tell them about it. And, you know, I'm excited to see what they think and how they react to it. So it, it brought it, us together, it, Nick. So, I mean, it's a, it's a unique kind of environment that's, uh, that's been established for us all. What, it brought us together. It brought, you know, the people you mentioned before, um abe and 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 you know the deer trail and everyone and it yeah. brought us together as well and so what's happened is is without me planning it because again this is a this is like a hobby and it's a fun thing that i do i don't really plan too much out in fact i've never planned a live tasting 
of mine ever. They're, they're all unscripted, right? And sometimes it doesn't work out great and sometimes it's great content. But yep. I didn't plan for the Instagram page to go the way it did. But what, what it's turned out to be is kind of a, a community that brings people together from different walks of life, right? And so if you guys have watched any of my live reviews of tequilas of the week, I've done over 60, I think this week will be like number 62, like our live unscripted tequila of the week. I always call out like how much it, it, it really, I want people to share where you're joining from, what you're drinking, because I, I just, I'm amazed and how far and wide this platform, you know, most of the time social media is bullshit. Like it really is toxic, but there are some shining lights. And like, the, if I'm trying to find positives out of the suck that is social media, it's, you know, I have people on a live tasting that have different political views, different sexual preferences, some that are on a private jet while they're watching me, some that can't make their rent, different income brackets, different demographics, different races, you name it. But for that hour we're on live, like everyone's in the same room around a mutual interest or love for tequila. And so I don't know. I know it's not possible, but in this utopian world that I have in my head, if you could like amplify that like hour worldwide, like how many people, how much would the world benefit more if when we met new people, we immediately try to find out what we had in common versus what we disagreed on. And I feel like 2021 where we are, like immediately you're just trying to scroll through social media for someone you disagree with or that you can argue with, or you meet someone and you immediately see his red hat with letters on the front of it and you're trying to work out where your views differ. On my page, like everyone's trying to find out like what they like about tequila the same. And it's, there's never any arguments or discussions around that. So that's kind of what it blended into without a plan is this kind of community that brings people together. And so whether it's golf, like uh, Caitlin, you said, right? Yep. Golf is a little fraternity in its own. The tequila world is a little fraternity in its own. But at the end of the day, they're both just outlets to connect people from different walks of life, from different backgrounds. I think it really like I, I'm amazed you didn't use the word wandering in that, like honestly, because I, I feel like that's like the core ethos of all of this is like wandering and influencer, like the two words I try to make it through a whole hour anytime well, I do a lot. Touche. Influencer, yeah. I can get behind, oh, but I the wandering aspect oh, of it, it's like, yeah, that's kind of it. Like there's this curiosity, and I think you kind of hit it on the head that like right now in the world, people are looking for reasons to be like, not that. I have issues with that, right? Instead of like, I can connect with that. Like we may have our differences and like, I'm not even going to focus on that because it's like, it doesn't really matter because we connect and we bond and we have fun about this thing, which like, I think also ties into the golf component. Cause it, like, as we were sitting here before talking about when I went to rolling Hills alone, it's like very cool experience, but like, I would rather play a shitty golf course with the best people than like the best golf course by myself because it's like there's just you got no one to share it with yeah there's that like the, the laughs and the fun like c pays and i used to go out to this little golf track in saskatchewan called the bright sand open and like we played a 12 ball and it was one of the greatest times just doing a nine hole track three times in a day and like just having a blast there we go next drink so i, I love you saying that oh yeah so i'm switching over to uh what do we Hold got? Oh. Right there. Fletch, Fletch Fletch, uh, shout out Abe. I do want to add on really quickly to the, like your guys's point there. And this is, we can all agree on this. Like 
especially with social media, you say people are looking for something to hate. I think they're just spending less or more time on their phone and less time doing their hobby. Like, you know, play more golf. You won't have time to sit there and look for something you hate. Like, get off of it. It's cancel just culture, go and have though, fun. man. It's cancel culture. But that's, it's beyond that. People spend too much time sitting at, looking at the device. Get off of it. The whole of 2020 just amplified it, right? And so, like, if you watched any of my lives during 2020, like, I try to pitch them as, like, they weren't even tequila reviews anymore. It was like, here's the outlet just to get away from the bullshit for yeah. an hour. Because, mm-hmm. Like, I found myself as well. I'm an overly positive person, right? Overly positive. Like, and I found myself at certain parts last year, like, unbel- I felt like there was a weight on me, right? It was like, the world is imploding. Like, I can't. There's no future. Like, this is the end of the world. And like, I had to like snap myself out of it and almost slap myself and go like, dude, just get off social media and you're fine. Like look out the window, look, you know, and, and, and to me personally, right. Living on three different continents, um, you know, I'm going to butcher it, but the Mark Twain quote that I love, right. Is that you um, like racism and small mindedness, something along those lines, like it can't travel kills small mindedness, racism and bigotry because you can't, like those things only fester when you sit in the corner by yourself, right? Like they can't totally you fit. And so just in a vacuum, once you get out and you exactly. realize and so living on three continents, my experience genuinely is, is that 90% of people all want the same thing. doesn't matter what color your skin is. doesn't matter what, how much, you know, what your net worth is. Um, but social media, you know, and it's funny because like, you know, I asked at some point, like someone on Instagram is going to hear me say this. I say it all the time. They're going to just like delete. Um, but social media is fucking toxic. And they, they literally social media and mainstream media, like they thrive on that, that negative 10% that I was talking about, because dude, if they were sent like reporting on shit that everyone agrees with, no one would watch. Yeah. Right. So 100%. they got to find, they got to find the one video that like, fits a stereotype of a certain thing and, and blast that all over the world. Right. And so that you think that everyone who looks like that or believes in that wants to do that. Um, well, the algorithm leans that 90% way. Of people, 90% of people all want to do the same thing. And that's why I tell people like, if you turned off the news and deleted social media and actually just used like people you interact with in person as a gauge for what society is like, like it's going to look nothing like the fucking media tell you it does because I can tell you, I don't know any friends that, you know, meet any of the stereotypes that are supposedly plaguing the United States right now. Like, I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone who thinks like that, who does the stuff that is supposedly rampant across the country. I don't know anything, right? It just doesn't matter who you are, what you look like. Generally, everyone just wants to make a living, support their family, like be able to put food on their table and, you know, very rarely will you greet someone with a smile, no matter what they look like or what background they're from. And you don't get a similar response. Yeah. But if you watch the news too much, it's going to tell you that someone who looks like that wants to kill you because you look like this. And like it. It's a small part of it. Anyway, traveling the world, wondering, because Tom wanted me to drop the word, wandering across the globe for, for 36 years on Thursday, 30 fucking six. But Amen. wandering the globe like has shown me that the majority of people want the same thing. Um, and, you know, golf and now tequila for me have been great ways to, to just meet interesting people from different walks of life. And I hope that people through my page do the same thing.
We're going to wander down a different path here. We got something fun to close out the show with you tonight, Nick. We're going to do a little rapid fire, not so rapid fire 10. All right. I love it. 10 questions coming in hot. Let me know when you're ready. Wait, what's the, uh, what's the, uh, like PG rating on the, on the podcast? Uh, we're, we're go, go nuts for donuts, man. There's no, uh, there's no holds back. All right. You ready for this? Okay. All right. Here it is. Question number one in the rapid fire. What? What'd you have for breakfast today, Nick? Uh, a quest bar and coffee. Man, too busy. Activation, oh, caffeination. Not my, not my choice of health. It was just lack of time to cook anything. Ah, there you go. Convenience always works. That's always my works. program usually too. That's, right? the, that's the Phil Mickelson uh, ethos there. Activation, caffeination. That's a recipe for success. Oh, rejuvenation. Lactation. <laughs> that's not the one. No, that's a few years ago. Question number two. What's in the bag? What are you swinging for wrenches right now? Oh, so shout out to your boys that gave you those cool ass hats. But uh, I'm I'm a I'm a strong tailor made bag. Um, P730s. Um, shout out to shout out to my boys at KBS. We got nice. the uh, money taper 130s in them. Nice. Uh, I took forever to get me away from my 2016 M2, but I finally have fallen in love with the Sim 2. So I've tried. I've played every. I've tried at least every TaylorMade driver since the 300 Ti. M2 was unbeatable for me for a long time. M3 couldn't beat it. You know, Sim doesn't quite there. I think Sim 2 in the bag with KBS in it as well. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then wedges. We got some Vokies that I've just played forever. Um, and actually, I got a new putter that showed up today. I saw that on your Instagram page, man. Super jealous. That is a oh, weapon. So no one, no that one's actually seen this is, yet. Let's do it. Yes, an unboxing. So, that is a weapon. Shout out, shout out to Mike Johnson of Paredi. Like guy, guy makes phenomenal flat sticks. And expensive as balls too. I got three of them, and uh, this was one that I saw on the Paredi Japan site, and uh, I had to have it, and Mike made it possible. So. You saw the post today with the head cover. I did. This is what we're working with. Okay, little, here we go. Sick. Oh, baby. Mallet. Yeah, a little mallet. Looks like an old like Rossi-style putter. That's yeah. beautiful. GSS, uh, hand-stamped little mallet. And uh, so sexy. I haven't even rolled any of this yet. But, yeah, that'll – I got a Peretti in the bag right now. They're 488. It's like a – the ugliest putter I've ever seen, and I got it, and I'm like, I don't know if I can ever putt with this. And I hit like two putts and spin the bag for six months. Like it's wow. amazing, but it's just basically a giant square, really easy to putt with. But I think this might be taking a spot. But that's pretty much the bag, and then obviously some echo in the side. No. Uh, <laughs> I I gotta say, like it's I find it funny that you're the second guy in two days that said that M2 driver will not leave the bag. Paul Tesori has yeah, the same driver. Same Had him on the show last night and loves that driver. Well, so honestly, I still hit the M2 with a higher ball speed, but like the miss hits are better with the sim. It's a lot straighter. Twist face, man. Loving that technology. Shout out, Taylor, man. All right, question number three of the rapid fire, not so rapid fire. What's in, What kind of ball are you playing? Played a Pro V1X, um, not the latest one, the one before that, but yeah. I pretty much bounced from Pro V1X to Pro V1X. I've done so for 15 years. Played the TP5, TP5X? I've tried other balls for maybe a round or two. This might sound weird. Like 
I just can't look at a dimple pattern at this point that isn't a Pro V1. Like it's, I think you do something for so long. It's it's kind of why I use TaylorMade drivers and irons. Yeah. You look at a certain like shape and look for that long. Doesn't matter. There's a lot of other good stuff out there, right? I just I I personally don't can't look at it. So would that be a 2020 Pro V1X or 2019? Because I haven't tried the 2021 yet. Okay. Um, because we're getting so, like very deep into this now with a lot of our guests. They like have specific years of their Pro V1. So it's kind of well, I mean, like... if you want to get specific into it, we can start digging into it, right? So like I tried the left dot for a little while. Yes. And uh, so <laughs> so I played golf with, with Abe out at there's a course in Dallas called Merido. And so we went out there one day when Answer was in town, and we just happened to play it on the day that they had the tipped and tucked. So it's every hole of the back plate and the pins are all in stupid spots. Nice. So it played at 8150 and the <laughs> pins were just joked. Okay. And uh, like, yeah, there we go. 8150 with little John. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, I played and like, first of all, this was when I left that round. I texted my brother in Sydney because in Australia, you can like walk into any corner and like bet on sports. There's little yeah. sports beds everywhere. I was like, dude, Abe's winning a major at some point in the next two years. Like, we played at 81.50. It was breezy. Like, until we ran into the member tournament and it slowed up and we had to wait 15 minutes on every shot, he's like one under through 12 holes. Wow. And He's not a long hitter, but, but man, is he accurate. As so pure. I had I had the, one of the best driving days I've ever had. And I got my, my only claim to fame was that I hit, I got two every par five and two at 81.50. Wow. That's six but plus I had for sure. Everything I had in the bag, pretty much. Anyway, I digress, but um, I can't even remember what the question was. Where were we going? We're with, talking uh, about golf balls. We were just talking about years of golf yes. ball, like a fine wine. <laughs> Try the left dash, and I might hit the driver far, but I do not spin my irons enough. And so, Abe told me, like, dude, if you get this ball, like, you're going to hit the driver even further. Like, it takes the spin off and all that, which he was right. But I have an unusual gap between how far I hit my driver and how far I hit my irons. Like, I don't – I literally think probably Bryson's the only guy that could hit a past me on tour. And – but I don't have to get fat. Fucking line it up. And <laughs> Let's go. But, but, like, irons, I'll probably be right middle of the pack. Like, I don't hit my irons a mile, right? And so I tried the left dash, and, like, the low spin driver thing was great, except my mid irons were, like, falling Lose. out of the sky. Like, I couldn't control it. Yeah. And so ended up going back to the 2020 Pro V1X – it just works for me. But if you guys know Texas, you know, like, it's fucking hot in the summer. They can get pretty cold and close to zero in the winter. And when it gets super cold and you get a little slower and everything's a little harder, I use the regular Pro V because it's, like, a little bit softer and I feel like I get a bit more spin around the greens. Yeah, man, you were dialed in. I like I that. It. And definitely gets cold it's as far we Far from it. I took a good game. Not dialed in at all. But well, yes. We're going to tell you. We're gonna we're gonna test your skills at some point when the borders open up. We're gonna throw something down somewhere, and we're gonna. Oh, you guys aren't even, are you guys allowed to play golf in Canada yet? Yeah, yeah. The snow just melted. We're just breaking out of our igloos now. So, yeah. I wasn't sure if I had to wear a mask on the podcast yeah. for you guys. Oh. Like, I I prefer if you put that. I'm on. impressed you guys have percent. masks down there. I didn't think the U.S. had COVID by they, the by the media. Yeah, I thought they burned them all. <laughs> not not in Texas. Not in Texas. Not in Florida. Apparently either. They do lots of crazy shit in Florida. Bath salts, 
Fried gators. Yeah, okay. Florida's last fucking thing I need to worry about is, is COVID. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I love it. Uh, I lived in Miami for two years, so I can promise you that. Oh, you're using Miami boy. You got to have some good stories from down there. Maybe give us a little quick one. Oh, I mean, I guess if I want to play off Tom's, like I never play golf alone. How are we for time? Like, I don't want to. You're good. You're good, man. How are we for time? We got a few more questions. So I, uh, I play golf very almost never by myself, right? Just don't don't get it. Couldn't be interested. Couldn't be bothered. And uh, but I was playing golf by myself one day at Miami Shores in North Miami, and I had a tournament coming up. And I'm like, I need to do some practice. So um, years before, I was lucky enough to play with Tiger and Alworth because my roommate um, lived at Alworth, um, Payne Stewart's son Aaron, good friend still. Wow. And. Um, so something that I heard for the first time ever, like Tiger would play against some of the college guys, but he would play two ball worst ball. And like these top college players would play two ball best ball and they would gamble like it, like it was one-on-one, but obviously not the same thing. Yeah. And so I thought to myself one day, like, oh, I'm going to do a two ball worst ball because I never play by myself. At least it'll challenge me. And I'm on the first tee of Miami Shores and this dude rolls up and it's like, this guy's like a dead ringer for pit bull, like shaved head. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like jean shorts on, like baggy jean shorts on, t-shirt, like looks like clubs that they just like pulled out of a dumpster. And they were like, oh, like we're just two. You guys, can we join you? And I'm like, uh, you guys just go ahead. Like yeah. do your thing. I'm about to do a two ball worst like, ball. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm like, I'm not playing with these guys. So yeah. they go ahead. I kill some more time on the first tee. First hole is like the stupid dog leg par five. Like I hit two perfect drives down there, two perfect pitching wedges into the par five, make both putts. Like one was eight foot, one was 25 foot. Like I made two eagles. The first time I've ever tried this two ball worst bullshit. Like this is super easy, which is not, by the way. If you can shoot par doing that, it's phenomenal. Uh, beginner's luck. And so I get on the next tee and there's like a hold up. There's no one mo- going. And the guy's, you know, Pitbull and his, and his partner. And his DJ. Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, Pitbull and his DJ in front of me were like, with the diamond earring in and everything. Yeah, and it's, like, it's Miami, bro. They're like, bro, did you make two eagles there? They were watching my ball. And I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, I got lucky. I was trying to be modest. And they, they seemed like decent dudes. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going anywhere, so fuck it. Might as well play with them, right? So now we're four tough. holes in. And I'm like, so what do you do? And he's like, oh, I manage a club. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. He's like, yeah, like we're the number one, uh, we're the number one strip club in, in the U.S. And I'm like, Oh, okay. okay. Okay, now I'm Pretty interested. Good. And um, so Scarlet's, if you go down 95 in Miami, it's like on the highway. You can see it from the highway. And um, never thought anything of it, right? Ends up, and this is goes back into the whole like stereotyping, right? People see someone, they immediately think they hate him. Like the nicest guys you could ever meet. Down to earth, family guys, genuinely nice human beings. So the jean shorts and me just judging them on the first tee were completely off. And so we finished the round and he gives me his business card. He's like, if you ever want to come out to the club, I'll take care of you, I promise. And I keep thinking, I'm never doing that, but thank you. And uh, fast forward like three months, I've got a, a teammate, like a buddy down in Miami and four guys in an apartment drinking for his like 21st birthday. And then everyone's like, oh, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, you know, I could call this guy. He could probably get us in. Ding. Light bulb. And so I pull his business card out of my wallet and I, I hit him up. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got you. Don't worry. Just tell them Rob. Tell them Rob sent you at the door. And so, dude, we roll up there. And, like, Miami, it's like, I mean, this place is, like, 
Drake's out there on the weekend. There's like a line down the street. Will, big Willie style. Worth, like, $20 million worth of cars ballet out front. Like four broke college kids who share an apartment, like roll up there. Three of them from Boston. You know how people from Boston are. Most of them dressed like they're homeless regardless of how much money. <laughs> and then Rick Ross and, is coming in and yeah, behind it's that fucking beer. You know, like the guy whose birthday was the type of guy who shows up to like a party with like his like six pack of beer in the box still oh. in his hand. And so we roll up there and like this bouncer who looks like he was a lineman for the hurricane, like for the for the dolphins, is like standing there and I'm like, uh, Rob said we're on the list. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, dude, we're getting told to get the hell out of here now. <laughs> and, um, guy gets a th- in his ear. He's like, you'll be out here in a second. Just hold on. Dude, this guy rolls out like full transformation, like a reality TV show, like $1,000 suit, $10,000 suit. Like his hair's, his, his bald head's been shined. It's like the lights are glistening off it. <laughs> like he's out there. The diamonds in his ears are like four times bigger. He's just like, he looks like legit like Pitbull now. And he's just like, oh, thank you. Opens the ropes. We skip like a hundred person line. Like places in Miami like that are like nightclubs. We have a table in the middle of the center stage. Five guys who have no money to their name. Combined, our net worth is maybe a thousand dollars. And he's just like, the bottles just keep coming. Anyway, I gave my buddy one of the best birthdays he's ever had. Okay. I remember driving, I remember driving home in Monday morning traffic in Miami. Um, not too happy, but there's my, my playing by myself story. That's my mind. Did you get into the Rick Ross music video that night? (laughs) I may have. Wow. He doesn't even know (laughs) that he was in the music video. Okay. One other little thing to throw on to the, like, yeah, it's good to play with good people that you know, but I also will say that like your story right there touches on a point that i I love going to a golf course and finding a three ball that already exists and just tacking myself on there because like you never know what the hell could happen, right? Like point taken and so, proven by your situation yeah, in Miami. That's where that Tom, that's where you and I differ. There's no way in hell I'd ever do that. You did. <laughs> I do it all the time. Well, I, I, love I it. did it by default. Okay, touche. I, I can't play slow. I hate it. I'm ADD. I hate playing slow. A round of golf should be three hours or under. And like I could not I don't care if you shoot 150, but do it in under three hours. Yeah. You can't come to van, man. Keep the pace. That actually reminds <laughs> me when Zach and I actually went golfing in Phoenix at McDowell. Is that where it is? McDowell Mountain? Maybe. Sure. Sure. Whatever. McDowell. Uh, we ended up getting paired McCormick. up with McCormick Ranch. That's where we went playing. Um, yeah. We ended up getting paired up with two just absolute giants, right? Like the one guy was an offensive lineman for ASU's football team, like six seven 345 pounds his dad was 610 like looked like he played in the nba and these guys no kidding played the slowest golf imaginable like the slowest we were both like they're on the tee box just like taking warm-up swings and we're like hey we're gonna just drive up to our ball right now so that like the groups behind us that are stacked up no it is not us being the culprits so i understand that so I, I like, I'm notorious among my good close friends. Like they give me a hard time for it. Like I'm notorious for like piping golf balls into people in front of us. Like I have a really short temper, not proud of it. Right. And so we're playing like the North Texas amateur qualifier or something years back when I was still trying to play as a pro. I'm playing with my buddy, Travis in a practice round. Travis is Lanny Watkins, son, right? Ridiculous ball striker, 
dude's like almost legally a midget. He's like five seven. I know he's never gonna watch this, but he's like <laughs> he hits it like three twenty, and like he bombs it for his size. And he like we're playing there in the fourteenth at Craig Ranch where they just had the Nelson. Like these guys in front of us are taking forever. We waited on every shot the hole before. It's like three forty five down the hill, breeze in our face. And so these guys are on the green now. And so I said this out loud just for legal purposes, if it ever got to court. I'm like, we can't get there, right? But in my head, I'm like, I'm fucking getting there. And so (laughs) all I needed from the group was like, yep, we're good. You're good. And I hit like arguably top five longest drives I've ever hit in my life. Just like there was no wind at all in our face. And it like flew to the back edge of the green, like almost hit this dude in front of us, right? <laughs> and he put his hands up and I was so angry at my temper. And I just like flicked him off, like fucking move. Let's go. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's the ultimate like, a fuck year, you. A year later, Travis now is trying to, a year later, Travis, well, two years later, sorry, Travis is now trying to qualify for the Byron Nelson. And I'm like, you know what? I can take a PTO day and I'll caddy for you on the Monday. And so we go out to Lantana and I'm caddying for Travis and he's paired with this dude who had a UT Arlington bag and, um, and, oh, I lied. I wasn't catting for him. We were both playing out there in the practice round. I was catting for him the next day. And so we'd get paired with this dude in the practice round with the UTA bag. And so I hit a drive down the first hole and just absolutely crush it. And like, this guy's not short, but I gave him 40 yards. And I see him look at me and look at my ball, look at his ball, look at his ball. It doesn't say anything. On the second hole, I like, I gave him 40 or 50 yards again. And he looks at me, looks at the ball, doesn't say anything. On the third hole, there's a water hazard that's like not reachable for majority of people. And I pulled it a little bit and I caught all of it. And I'm like, down, down. And he he goes, oh, he doesn't say anything. He's watching. And everyone's kind of looking at me like, why are you even worried about that? And it was like one bounce hazard. And he looks over at me and he goes, you're the fucking guy who hit it into me two years ago at Craig Ranch on the 14th. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Guilty. And we shook hands and we were like good buddies for the rest of the round. Oh, so I'm like, there's my slow, slow play story. <laughs> two years later, after seeing me hit three drives, he put two and two together. I'm like, I knew I knew you from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah sore ass about that, huh? He was carrying I was like, that. Uh, I said, that's my bad, dude. I was in a bad mood that day. I was completely out of line. He's but like, at the same time, you were playing that. really slow, bud, and you needed to just pick it up a bit. That, like. That's the saffin. You, you, unfortunately, you can't. Uh, the patience doesn't uh, last very long for you. That's, you know that, that's that, that viral video on Barstool a few months, like a month ago, where like that massive fight on the tee box, yes. like eight guys. Yes. And I watched those guys and I saw what they looked like and without even the sound on, I'm like, oh, those are definitely South Africans. Like, there's no <laughs> And, like, turn the volume on and you can, like, hear the, the odd, like, Afrikaans cuss word in the middle of it. I'm like, yep, that's about right. There you go. <laughs> Standard. All right, we got, uh, I got a couple more questions for you and then we're going to finish it off with the uh, skill testing uh, half All right. essay. I'll make, the, I'll make the answer shorter for our rapid fire session. Let's, Let's do it. Not so rapid. Right, it's not so rapid. We, yeah. We always get we that. always go down the rabbit hole, which is fantastic. Good stories, good content. Uh, favorite golf course? Maybe give us one in the U.S. that you play, and maybe one in Canada that you played. Um, so I've only played one round of golf, one golf course in Canada. All right. Um, it was. I hope I get the name right. Furry Creek. Oh yeah, just north of here. Filmed, they filmed Happy Gilmore. Yeah, forty-five yep. minute drive from here. Yep, there we go. So I uh, I was at a work conference in Vancouver, 
and uh, the golf day associated with the work conference was out there and they, they called it, you know, they're like, they made it sure we knew it was the way they filmed happy Gilmore. And when I got down onto happy's hole, I was like, this is where he fucking fought Bob Barker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the price is wrong, uh, bitch. <laughs> what a badass golf course, like little part three that's out onto the sound. Oh, really, man. really cool. And uh, I have a video, it's still on my Instagram. I had to do a happy swing on one of the tee boxes out there, like one of the high tee boxes that goes back down the hill. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's my favorite golf course in Canada by default. Love it. Uh, man, it's tough for me to pick my favorite in the U.S. Um, I, I mean, I'd have to say L.A. Country Club North. It's so bougie. Yeah. I had a chance to play out there a few times. And uh, it's just, it's everything. It's the course. It's the atmosphere. It's the history. It's the Playboy Mansion. It's the membership. It's it's meeting Warren Buffett playing bridge when there's like three people in the clubhouse. Wow. It's really? The, it's the thread of like, if we see you take your cell phone out, like the member gets suspended for three months. It's just all of it all together. Um, LA Country Club was was the best for me. Have you played some golf in the desert, in Palm Desert? Any of those private clubs? I absolutely love desert golf. My lowest score I've ever shot was in, uh, was in Scottsdale. Nice. Which and course? What's the number? Uh, it was wildfire at Desert Ridge, the Feldo, uh, the yeah Feldo course. Our friend Nick, yeah, uh, yes. does three things good. Uh, it was the first round of golf I played after I quit playing professionally. So, well, trying to play. So I decided I wasn't going to play for a living. Started working, and I Korean. put the golf in a closet for like four months because I knew. If I went and played for fun, you're going to shoot 66, and then you're going to be like, maybe one more Q school. Yeah. So I didn't touch a club for anything. And there was a conference in Scottsdale, and we played a shamble for the conference. And I played with two dudes who were pretty bad, but I shot 61, and we used every single one of my shots for 18 holes. In the shot. <laughs> and then I just hated. And then I just hated golf because I'm like, fuck this sport. Yeah. Like really. Why did you like do this? For five to me? years, I tried to play for a living. Couldn't come close to hitting a golf ball like this. Quit, and then come out here and can't miss. Yeah, she's a cruel mistress. That's golf for you. Okay, question number. Let's go. We're gonna sneak past question. The score question was there. So, uh, question number nine. This is random. Have you e ever eaten the worm, Nick? Yes. Not on purpose. Not on purpose. Okay, but you have indeed had the worm from the tequila is, bottle. Does good tequila oh, have a worm? So worms are in mezcal. I've never drank that, but I grew up in South Africa, so we've all bitten into an apple and seen half of something wiggling around there and going, oh, shit. <laughs> Touche, a little extra protein in there for you. All right, yeah. Mr. Pays, final question of the evening. It's over to you, sir. Okay, uh, Zach was kind of mentioning how you were talking to him about you know starting your own golf league, the, t the TGA. Tequila Golf Association, and we're t we're thinking oh, like a league. or league. Uh, sorry, TG let's go TGL. Yeah, sure, but like uh, even a league, whatever we can do. What, what if we say started, we say we're commissioner of that? What, like, what are the top started, three we things started, we're doing with it? There we go. You know what? We started. It started the same way the Tequila Wonder started. So with a stupid idea, and it takes about five minutes to start an Instagram page. So <laughs> yep. we'll see where it goes. But. um there's just a lot of overlap and we already discussed it, right? Like not getting too deep into it, but there's just so much overlap on, on bringing people together around a mutual interest in whatever it is, be it tequila, be it golf. I figured find a way to do both. Um, and if we end up, you know, running tournaments and doing things or, or selling cool swag at least, um, and then, you know, being able to honestly, you know, obviously everyone's 
first goal, at least mine personal goal is to write is like, I have an idea of what success is in life and I want to be there. Right. And I want to provide for my family and I want to be successful. I think the next most important thing on that list for me is like, I can't think of anything more rewarding than being in a position like some of my mentors are where they can give back to a cause that they care a lot about. Yep. And so, um, you know, if I end up, even if it's, you know, earlier this year, I used the, 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 the social media platform, the Instagram page, like I Instagram live, the shitty round at a public course here in Dallas. And I just asked people before to like donate a certain dollar amount per birdie I made. And I was going to, I gave every single cent to, uh, um, the to the I am a golfer foundation here in Dallas that helps kids that are underprivileged that wouldn't have the ways to like golf clubs, clothes, enter tournaments, whatnot. And, you know, I played like shit and made two birdies, but so many people would like what I was doing. They made donations to me regardless. And so we gave like 800 bucks to them that day. And that was just on a whim. Right? Awesome. And so um, who knows? We'll see where, where the Tequila Golf Association goes and we'll see you know, maybe one day we have uh, an annual tournament and, and some cool swag and we can we can find a good cause where people can have fun, meet new people and, and, and help people out. Nick, we're going to do something big in the U.S. as soon as the borders open. We have a lot of commitment from PGA Tour guys, you know, influencers, wanderers. We want to have some kind of charitable component that is effective, is consistent, something that we can, you know, continue this legacy of building a community and removing that stigma and you know encouraging people to get out of their shell and play golf so we would love to have you aboard of that we'll, we'll send you some info behind the scenes guys i love it and so like i wouldn't i wouldn't be a true influencer without giving myself a cheap plug on your podcast yeah, it, do it do it i figured if, if i'm gonna out. do the shitty if i'm gonna do the shitty plug thing i might as well make it work worth people's while so and we've made uh, you work for it too to be yeah we got honest. the head show clip from you that's really all we wanted you on for so that was good i love it so <laughs> i'll tell you what anyone who listens to your podcast who goes and is interested to see just how stupid some of this shit or if how realistic some of these stories are about the wanderer um if you go follow my page and comment under any one of the posts like hashtag the four jack podcast or let's just make it simple hashtag for Jack, right? Um, I will do a lucky draw for, we'll do for a case of Echo, and we'll do for some of these hats with the Jalisco Masters, and I have the Agave Tequila one sitting back there over there. Uh, and as this goes along, maybe the prize little basket gets a little bigger. I know it's nothing big, but um, I, like I think- You it's heard it, folks. Tag, tag, is, tag is page. Pound Hashtag it. for Jack is what we're looking for, folks. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm looking at this merch right now and it's it's nice. So you guys are gonna want to get on that. And I really do actually like yeah, the engagement tactic right there of like, okay, just let's put a hashtag because as a brand, it makes your life easier because you can just search that hashtag and be like, Okay, these are all the ones that are on my page. Let's see who's doing it. I love it. So hey, I I, I don't wanna ever like I, I hate posting swag and stuff on the Instagram page. Um so I actually started last week drink Mexican at drink underscore Mexican. And it's a page just dedicated to the hats, head covers from your countrymen over there at Dormy. Oh, yeah. um, anything that I get made that's tequila related, it'll go on that page. So that's where people can find stuff. Um, and regularly when I do a new run of hats or something, I'll donate a percentage of it. I'll let people know a percentage of it is going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not doing it to make a living, 
right now it's just fun growing the page, bringing people together. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It was fun oh, man, chatting. It was our pleasure. It was nice to finally kind of connect all the dots here between uh, us, Zach, and yourself. And looking forward, like we said, to kind of just getting growing the game a little bit more and playing with a couple guys down south and see what uh, see what happens with the sauce sneaky well. get in the wanderer's wallet with zach uh asking for sugar on the first tee i think we can well, negotiate uh, something i don't know when i don't know when you had zach on but was it before or after the fucking display of golf that me and travis put on for him in the scramble yeah no we, that's when we originally started talking about this me and you so yeah maybe give us a little insight into what what went down there i mean you know you know the riding a bike analogy right like travis so Tra- Trav and I probably both play off around plus four, plus five right now. I play a little less than him. He doesn't have any kids. Um, the the plus the plus four was a little unrealistic. Uh, I may have may or may not have manipulated that a little bit for member guest season. So I'm around a plus one now. Um, Trav's somewhere around the plus five, and so you know on an average day we're shooting anywhere between three under and five over. Right? This is how it is. You don't play golf for a living anymore. But we played a scramble. We had a fourth full out. Zach happened to be in town. We're like, dude, come on. He was like, oh, you want to grab lunch? I'm in town. I'm like, fuck it. You're playing golf with us. Come on. We need a fourth. Yep. And uh, it was right after the Corn Ferry event at Rangers Golf Club. And we fucking lit it up. Like, <laughs> Trav was on. I was on. Even our Zach was solid. And even our guy who was like, a, I don't know, eight handicapper who put the whole team together, hit some shots that made us look at each other like, damn. Yeah. And so... With three holes to go, we were on track for 49. <laughs> wow. And I looked at Travis and I'm like, there's a there's a hole downhill number five at, at, at Rangers, which is 434. But it's downwind naturally, downhill. And I've been I've hit it in the greenside bunker before. And I said to him, I'm like, dude, 49 is not gonna do it. We need 48. I'm gonna knock this bitch on and we're gonna make Eagle here. But three holes left. And I, I, I got all of it, but I was 10 yards short in the front neck of the green. Anyway, I hold my little pitch shot for Eagle. Oh, wow. We birdied, we birdied the last two coming in, and uh, we clipped a group of guys that were mini tour players and college golfers by one. So there was another 49, and we clipped them. So mm-hmm. that was Zach's one round of golf with me. Um, I don't want to play with him ever again. He's never going to see it that good. I can't <laughs> Spoiled. That's amazing. I love it. What, yeah. a way to, what a way to cap that. And you couldn't say enough good things about you. So, yeah, we were super stoked to have you on, man. Can't thank you enough, honestly, for sharing some stories, spending some time. It's been a ton of fun. We'll get our community engaging with you for sure, and we'll uh, make sure we shout out your your handles and where they can find you and make sure we do a little cross-promotion. Obviously, keep you updated when the pod goes out. And, yeah, as far as anything else that comes around in the future, we'd love to uh, love to have you back on at some point and happy to engage with you on on anything we can do. Guys, love what you're doing. Keep it up. I mean, like I said, you're just, you know, growing the game, bringing people together. You got a South African, Australian, Texan um, sitting over here talking to you. You know, keep it going. Great stuff. And, love it. you know, not that you're going to get to Colts level because he is on his own. But uh, excited to see where you guys can grow with this and, and just, just keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for having me. A lot of fun chatting. Absolutely. Thanks, Nick. And uh, yeah, just remember it's the underscore tequila underscore wanderer and head on over there and throw down that hashtag, folks. There you go. Peace, brother. Thanks, Nick. Salute, guys. Cheers.